Welcome, everybody. We are glad you are here. Uh, it is good to have a chance to be together. Everybody who's meeting with us online, we are grateful that you have joined us. It is good to be part of God's people. It is good to be able to share in God's word and praise to God and prayer to God. And above all, to share this table with one another. This table that Jeremy just uh, led us in our meditation about, been binding Christians together for almost 2,000 years, binding us back to the beginning of Christianity, binding us to Christians all over the world. It is good to be able to share in the worship of God. So we are studying the book of Colossians and in our Bible in our sermon series. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Colossians. Uh, we're going to look at the first eight verses of the second chapter of Colossians. So please be there with me. And if you picked up a study sheet, some of that's printed on, on that study sheet. And you can follow along on that as well. What is your core foundation. When you read something in the news, when you see what's going on in the world, what do you evaluate those things by? You know, I'm not talking about what you wish you evaluated it by. I'm not talking about what you hope you evaluate. I mean, in fact, when things happen out there, where do you go? Where is your heart? All of us are raised in various ways. All of us are raised believing different things. But Paul says, what's happened to the world in Jesus Christ is so overwhelmingly powerful that whatever your foundation has been, it now, because of what Jesus Christ has done in the world and in you, your foundation day by day shifts until you are resting your life, your beliefs, your opinions, your hopes, your dreams, all on the foundation of Jesus Christ. That's what he argues. In this little section that we're going to look at, that's really what he's arguing. I'm going to take us back to that great, uh, hymn about Christ that Jeremy preached on a couple of three weeks ago back in chapter one just so you know where Paul's coming from and how big a deal he thinks Christ is and what he proclaims that, uh, about Christ back in Colossians chapter one if you're if you've got your Bibles look at verse 15 and this is uh, maybe not something Paul himself wrote but something that he could take from what the Christians were singing or chanting to each other in their worship services about Jesus. And he says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him, and for him, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, 
and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness, plentifulness, dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So now we already had that. That was what Paul said at the beginning of the book. He said, you need, uh, Colossian Christians, Paul doesn't know the Colossians only indirectly. They are his grandchildren in the faith, people that he converted, uh, particularly sent a missionary uh, to, to help convert the Colossian churches. But he says, you need to know the truth about what an amazing thing has happened to you because God has connected you to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you who Jesus Christ is. Look at the world around you. Look at the sky. Look at the stars. Look at the rocks. Look at the trees. Look at the people. Who made all that? God made all that through Jesus Christ. And God has made Jesus Christ the ruler of all of that. By rights of creation and by right of self-sacrifice, Jesus Christ is now the double owner of everything you run into in your life. If there are people who are harassing you or making your life difficult, or there are people that you don't like very much, Jesus Christ is Lord over that. Whatever those people are, that power is. If there are people who are intimidating you, if there are people who are uh, trying to make you behave in a certain way, you can be assured Colossians, you can be assured Wilshire Christians, that Jesus Christ is Lord over that. Name me a power, Paul says. Name me an authority. Name me anything that claims your soul and says, this is what you should believe in. This is how you should live your life. Jesus Christ is Lord over that. That's where he starts. That's where Paul starts laying his theological foundations. Not only that, but not only is all that true of Jesus, that's like true of Jesus before even he comes into the world. That's all true of Jesus. And that one who owns the whole world comes into the world in order to do an even greater thing. To reconcile all things to God. That's what Paul says. To reconcile all things to God. This world has declared war against God the Creator. There are cultures and governments and social forces of all kinds, many of which are in open or covert rebellion against what God wants and what God is trying to do. And to be honest, Christians, 
in our own hearts, we find that happening. I find parts of myself that to this day, as long as I've been a Christian, to this day still rebel against the legitimate rulership of God and Jesus Christ in my heart. I need the reconciliation that Jesus Christ offers. The world needs that reconciliation. And Paul says, not only is Jesus the owner of all this, but he is the one that God sent to fix all of the rebellion against God that exists in our world. To fix it wherever it exists, in governments and in societies and in social movements, and to fix it in here, where I find my own self standing as a rebel against God. Jesus came to reconcile that to God as well. Do you get a picture of how big a deal Jesus is? Do you understand why Paul is saying, I'm praying fervently for you, Colossians, that you will be rooted in the knowledge and understanding of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is, is this foundation, the sound foundation for all that you will do in your life. And the more faith grows in you, the more your life will go the way God needs it to go. The world belongs rightfully to Jesus Christ, Paul says. And every power in the world is answerable to him. Paul says, live like that. He says that to those Colossian Christians uh, there in that, uh, in, in that town of Colossae. They would have been a small, marginalized group. They would have felt enormous pressures from the surrounding pagan culture. You realize that there was a legend that said the entrance to the underworld was uh, a couple of miles away from the town of Colossae. It was actually the place where Hercules and some other people entered into the underworld in order to go and, and have adventures down there in the next world. There were enormous cultural pressures saying to Christians, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, give up this crazy belief system you have. It would have been so easy to yield to that. And Paul says, don't you understand what has happened to you? The mercy of God to bring you out of the kingdom of darkness and to put you into the kingdom of Jesus Christ who is all these things that we read about in verses 15 through 20. God has mercifully rescued you and brought you into this kingdom because you have put your trust in Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing. And it has practical consequences that Paul now starts to expound. He says, this truth about Jesus Christ has changed who I am. And it changes now what I do every day. Look at verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 5, uh, 1 through 5. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures 
of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one can deceive you with fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I'm present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Paul, these people don't know Paul directly. They know of him. And he says, you know what? Every time you guys are together as a church, I'm there in spirit. I know I haven't been able to make a visit yet. I don't know when I'm going to be able to. But I'm there with you in spirit. And I am thrilled when I see you growing in faith and being established in faith. Because that's what matters, Paul says. And he says, this is what I work for day in and day out now is for people like you and that church over in Laodicea. We think there was a letter to the Laodiceans, uh, but that's been lost. That, that hasn't been preserved for us by the Holy Spirit's providence like the letter to the Colossians has. We wish we knew what was in that letter. Uh, Paul says, I work hard for them too. I work hard for you. I work hard for everybody to try and make this faith the foundation of life. True ministers of God labor to build us up in Christ. Now, I'm like any other minister. I want you guys to like me. When I tell a joke, I want you to laugh. It feels really bad to tell a joke and nobody laugh, I'll tell you. I've had that experience way too many times. You know, when I, when I work hard on a sermon, I, I actually love it. When you guys say, oh, thank you so much for this. I, I love that. I'm probably not supposed to love it as much as I do. I love all that. But Paul says, he kind of lays out for us what a, what a true minister is supposed to be all about. Building people up in this faith in Christ. And, and brothers, if I stop doing that, you need to fire me. If Jeremy stops doing that, you need to fire him. If you ever find yourself in a church where the minister is preaching something that is actually taking you, your loyalty away from Christ and trying to transfer it to something else. You need to fire that church. And you need to find a builds you up in Jesus Christ. I am not joking about this. I am dead serious. This is where the core is. And you must seek out for your spiritual survival. You must seek out ministry that will build you up in your connection to Jesus Christ. There are, look, I'm not denying. There are tons of good causes that Christian ministers can get you excited about. And these are all things that need to happen. But in the pursuit of a good cause... If they say, well, you know, we got to tone down our Christian teachings in order to pursue this cause over here. we got to tone down our loyalty to Christ in order to pursue this cause over here. You need to run. You need to run from that. That is not what Christian ministry is here on earth to do. 
We support causes. We should. Christians are supposed to be ready for every good work. But nothing, nothing is to be allowed. I don't care how fine the arguments sound, Paul says. <laughs> nothing is to be allowed to drive a wedge between us and Jesus Christ. Nothing. This is crucial for Paul. He he's anxious because he doesn't have a chance to directly influence this church. And so he's pouring his passion out. You can see it in this letter, trying to say to the Colossians, this is, this is your lifeblood, your connection to Jesus Christ. This is where all your true strength is going to come from, is your connection to Jesus Christ. Look at verses 6 and 7. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and build up in him, strengthened into faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Paul mixes two metaphors together. He says, this is what I want for your life. This is where I got the title for, for today's sermon. This is what I want for your life, that you are rooted in Christ, and you are built up in Christ. One's an agricultural metaphor, one's an architectural metaphor, but they both mean the same thing. When you read the news, when you react to public events, Paul says what's the best thing for you and what's the best thing for Christ's world that you are trying to help is that your first and strongest reactions come from your relationship with Jesus Christ. That you are rooted in your brain. You are rooted in your heart. You are rooted in your motives and your will in Jesus Christ. What does rooted mean? Where do plants get their nourishment? How do they grow the grain or the fruit that we you know, want from them? Where does that come from? It comes from their roots. Lousy roots, lousy fruit. So, so brothers and sisters, he says, I want you desperately, I want you to be rooted first and foremost in Jesus Christ. If someone else is trying to get your roots plugged into other things in a way that's compromising your relationship to Jesus Christ, run away from that. Change that. I want you to be rooted, to be drawing your nourishment from your relationship with the one who made the world and came to save the world, Jesus Christ. That's the thing that your life now depends upon. I want you to be rooted in that. And I want you to be built up in that. Now he switches to architecture. Jesus Christ is the blueprint for your life. You know how blueprints work. You know, the architect carefully designs out what will make a stable and functional building, puts it out on these elaborate plans, and then people build that. How do you get a bad building if you have good plans? How do you get a building that falls down even though the plans were fine? 
Well, you know how. The builder said, oh, I can cut this corner. The builder said, oh, I can tack on this extra bit over here. The builder said, I don't need to build that many supports. That's too expensive. That's how you get that to happen. The blueprint for your life, brothers and sisters, is Jesus Christ. And the parts of your life that don't match Jesus Christ are the parts of your life that right now God's Spirit is working to bring into conformity with Jesus Christ. And all of us have parts of our lives that don't conform to Jesus Christ. I'm just telling you, whatever the part of your life that is, the Holy Spirit's working on that. And you can either yield yourself and walk in the Spirit, or you can resist the Spirit, but that's what the Holy Spirit's working on for you and for me. To bring your life into conformity with Jesus Christ. And this is a big deal. This matters. This is going to matter crucially for you. In this life and in the next. When Jesus Christ judges the world, I'm convinced the best parts of our lives will be shown to be those parts that were rooted in our faith in Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus is going to judge. That's the other thing he's going to do. He comes back to everything that he owns. And now he judges by himself. At, with using him as the standard. That's how we're going to be judged. That's how this church is going to be judged. That's how our nation is going to be judged. That's how everything in this world is going to be judged. It's going to be evaluated by Jesus Christ. It's a cliche now, what would Jesus do? But that's a cliche because it was rooted in and still is in absolute truth. You and I will be judged by the truth of Jesus Christ. By who he is. By what he is, by what he would do. And on the day of judgment, all of us think about our sins being exposed, and I'm, that will happen. If you're in Jesus Christ, though, your sins are washed away. They are forgiven. You've been reconciled. And you know what's going to shine like the stars on the day of judgment? What's going to just shine out? You may not even think about it now because the world usually doesn't give you credit for these things parts of your life now but on the day of judgment you know what's going to shine out and everyone will see it's going to be every part of your life that truly reflects reflects jesus christ that's what's going to shine out on the day of judgment your badges of honor your crown your you know your your mansion in heaven your treasures laid up in heaven it's every part of your life that has become conformed to God's Son, Jesus Christ. Everything you've done, not because of, you know, fleshly motives, but because this is what Jesus would want me to do. Everything like that, that's what's going to shine out on the day of judgment. And you may not think much of that because, again, the world... <laughs> never or almost never gives you reinforcement for being like Jesus. 
The world has other priorities for you. But on the day of judgment, that's what's going to be revealed. And so Paul says, right now, today, live your life rooted in and built up by Jesus Christ. That's the way we live our lives. It kind of gets to the nub down in verses 8 through 10. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human traditions and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is head over every power and authority. Okay, Paul keeps on throwing these deep, deep, deep ideas at us, and he won't stop. Reading Colossians and, you know, Ephesians too, it's kind of like drinking from a fire hose because Paul is just pouring out so much knowledge all at once. He says, don't let anybody trick you with fine-sounding arguments. Don't let anybody lead you astray with uh, hollow and deceptive philosophy. I used to teach an actual philosophy class at Oklahoma Christian University where I, where I teach. And every now and then some smart sophomore would pull out this verse. And, you know, usually after the first or second test had been graded. How long does that philosophy, Dr. Perry? Well, they're not wrong. They're not wrong. Any philosophy, any theory, any political system, any social idea, any, any idea that pulls you away from the truths of Jesus Christ is dangerous, and you know it's wrong. Paul's not, Paul is, you know, go study it, and then you'll figure out what's wrong about it. He's saying, you already know if it's pulling you away from Christ, there's a mistake. You may not, for the, your whole life, be able to figure out all the things that are wrong with it. That may not be what's given to you to know. But you know, if it doesn't fit Christ, it's wrong. And Paul says, you better stick with that. And it's good to study. It's good to know. Paul was a very learned man, and he continued to improve his knowledge all through his life. Those things are good to do. But whether you know a lot or you know only this one thing, this one thing that you need to know is, I'm going to stick with Jesus Christ. I'm not going to let any system, I don't care how well argued it looks, I don't care how brilliant it sounds, I don't care how many people have signed up for it. If it is pulling me away from Jesus Christ, I don't want it. I am not joking, church. This is crucial for us. The danger for the 21st century Christian church, especially those of us who live relatively comfortable lives here, is that we will say, Oh, I like Jesus, but I think what's really important is whatever you fill in the blank, that second part of that sentence with, is what is pulling you away from Jesus Christ. Once you have said, 
yeah, okay, I'm, I'm a Christian, fine, I got that in place. I go to church and I do some Christian stuff, so clearly I'm good. But what's really important, no, what's really important is Jesus Christ. Everything else in your life needs to find its place under the headship of Jesus Christ because he is the head of every authority and every power. That's what Paul says. So everything in your life, the Holy Spirit is working in your life right now to make sure that everything in your life conforms to that truth, which is Jesus Christ is the head of the universe and he is the one that will bring all the universe into judgment and to reconcile all things to the Father ultimately. This matters. This matters how, how, how we're going to live today. It matters. If somebody says to you, you know, I, I think that a woman's body is so, needs to be protected so much that we can completely ignore the life that is living in her. I think you can disagree with that. I think you have the right to say, we can figure out a better way to work for fairness to women and equality for women other than destroying fetuses. And we need to do that. If somebody says to you when they hear something about Black Lives Matter, well, you know, all lives matter. I think you need to say what matters right now is where the pain is and where the suffering is. The lives that matter right now are the lives that are being afflicted by an unfair system. And I got to say something to my white brothers and sisters. If you don't notice the affliction of those who have dark skin in our society, then the system is functioning the way it's meant to function. I didn't make that up. I got that from Jerry Jones Jr., but it's really the truth. And people who protest the injustice of this world and of this system, they're not making stuff up. They're protesting real issues that need to be changed. Now, I don't know if Jesus were here today, where he would stand in terms of marching in the streets or whatnot. I don't know. But I don't think you could ever in a million years convince me that if Jesus were looking at girls kneeling in protest before a basketball game or men in a booth shouting epithets at them that he would ever side with the guys in the booth. I just don't think you can convince me of that. Because I don't think it's true. And, and brothers and sisters, I think everything in our lives has to be judged by that. Where, would, where do I think Jesus would stand? What do I think Jesus would be doing? Where would he be? I want my life 
And I'm never, I'm not going to get this perfectly, but I want my life to be rooted in and built up on Jesus Christ. And I want your life to be rooted and built there as well. To make this world as much as we can until Jesus comes back and, and does the big job. Right now where you are, you little bits that you can control, you make this world a little bit more in the image of Jesus Christ. Let's have a prayer. Dear God and Father, thank you so, so much for the blessings that you have poured out on us. Thank you so much, above all, for the blessing of Jesus Christ, this mind-blowing miracle of Jesus Christ that we can't even begin to get very far in comprehending, but we are awed by what we do understand. God, help us each person Everybody who's hearing my voice right now, God, I pray that you will help each one of us to, to root our lives, our thoughts, our minds, and our passions more and more deeply every day in Jesus Christ. That what we say and what we do will grow out of our love for Jesus Christ. And that our lives can be trimmed and formed and grown and shaped, built up, in Jesus Christ. God, we pray for these blessings from you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You know, if you need to respond to the invitation of God, you may need to do it just where you are and tell God what it is that needs to change. Or you may want the help of the church. You may want public support. So, you, so in a minute, when we stand and sing, you can come forward and say, I need prayers for this, or I need to say something about this. Or it may be that today is the day that you've decided, I want to put on Jesus Christ in baptism. I want to be part of the kingdom of light. I want to be part, I want to be taken out of the kingdom of darkness. I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I want my sins washed away in baptism. I want the new life that Jesus Christ offers. If that's what you've decided, then why don't you come forward and tell us your need as we stand and sing.